Frank Network. Content on this production is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute medical treatment or diagnosis. Seek medical help if you believe that you are suffering from a mental illness or are a threat to yourself or others. By using any or all of the information provided, you do so at your own risk. Any application of the material is at the listener's discretion and is his or her sole responsibility. Why is it that some people go to great lengths to try to hurt someone, whether it be physically, emotionally, mentally, or even professionally, that they don't even know? I think in some ways all of us have been victim to this type of hate. We'll just call it what it is, hate. And the reason that some people go out of their way to do this is because they are jealous and they are reacting to their own hurt, not something that you have done to them. Somebody's action that they take towards you is not a reflection of you. It is a reflection of them. And it's a little easier to get through those situations and problems when we truly can understand that. But in the moment, we're really hurt. However, some of us have this unique ability to just kind of brush off the people around us. I know myself through several times in my life, there have been people who made such audacious claims that it was beyond believable. But there are some people that, whether it's true or not, are going to believe it just because they heard it. And they have that mentality of, well, if it wasn't true or if something about it wasn't true, they would not have said that, which is part of the whole narrative of hurting someone, is that we have to understand it's not about us. It's about them. It's about their hurt that they're projecting towards us. I really don't understand how miserable someone's life has to be in order for them to just sit around and try to hurt someone or discredit someone. And we see this a lot, even through social media, that people just are mean. (laughs) And we have seen through news outlets, and I'm sure that you have too, of young kids. I call them young kids. I'm, I'm 38, about to be 39 years old. But these, these kids who are 15, 16, 17 years old who are so hooked onto the dopamine of seeing these likes and shares and all of this that one comment can ruin their life. And there have been several occasions where these children have committed suicide because of these audacious claims or just hurtful comments recently here in our area a young man that I graduated high school with, his 17-year-old son, who's autistic, committed suicide, had depression and anxiety, and people in school just weren't very nice to him being autistic. And we deal with these kind of things every day in life, but people, I want you to remember that, as I've said before, your words have so much power Your words have so much power. Speak life into somebody today. Tell somebody how much you care about them. Tell somebody how much you love them. Just give somebody a compliment. Just tell them what you like about them. And it doesn't have to be someone you know. It could be a random stranger walking down the street. Say, hey, I really like that shirt. Or your hair looks really good. I I could say, I wish I had hair. But our words have so much power. So remember today to use the most powerful force that you have, your mouth and your tongue, to speak life into other people. Everybody, Doc Brian here, and welcome to Doc Talks. We talk about people's troubles, trials, tribulations, and hopefully triumphs in life. Uh, Today with me, I have Benjamin Thomas, who goes by Ben. Uh, But Ben, thank you for being here with us today. Yes, thank you for having me. It means a lot. Now you're you're up up north from from me here in Arkansas. Is it cold up there yet? Has it started snowing yet? It actually snowed today. Yeah, it it actually snowed a good bit, but then it turned into rain. But it's it's here for sure. Yeah. Well, we're still in that that period of time where you turn your heat on at night and your AC on during the day. <laughs> Is it like sixties, high sixties in the it, daytime? Uh, it gets mid seventies. Yeah, but then down thirties, forties at night. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just welcome to the South. Yeah. So you are in, in Pennsylvania area there. Is that right? Yeah. So are, are you originally, were you born there? Where were you born? I was actually born in Bedford, PA. In Bedford, PA. Now I have a good friend that lives in York, so that's not far from Bedford, is it? A couple hours? Like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So I probably passed you at some point in my life and never even knew it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, uh, brother, sisters? I have two brothers. One of my brothers uh, has autism, which is my middle brother. I'm the youngest, of course. And then my older brother, um, David, he's really successful. And uh, like I said, um, we both love our middle brother, uh, Brandon. He has autism, and uh, there's nothing I wouldn't do do for him. You know, I, I love him so much. And uh, Yeah, uh, they're special people. They really are. They really are. Their minds are like you, you wouldn't understand. Like, and you understand, but like being like having a brother that has autism, you know, I was raised and it was like a roller coaster. And you kind of go with them with that roller coaster and learn how they adapt to life. And then you just kind of help them. Yeah. And, and they're so innocent in their thinking. I guess for lack of a better word, they're pure in their thinking. Yes. And, and the, the, the brain, the smart, like, I mean, he would memorize movie like credits at the end of the movies. He would memorize the whole movie credits and he'd he'd be able to place it on a piece of paper word for word. I mean, he might obviously mess up, but he would get like most of it. Wow. Yeah. I can't do that. I can't remember a movie after I've watched it, let alone who was in it. (laughs) So, um, growing up, was it, your parents still together? Were they divorced? What was the family dynamic there? So whenever I was born, you know, my mom had me. I was the, the youngest. My dad and her were going through a really hard time. And whenever I was like 10 months old, my mom divorced my dad because he was cheating on her. And a uh, very successful woman. And uh, she took three kids, you know, one with autism and three boys. A lot is a lot, you know, but, uh, she took that on and, uh, my dad didn't want anything to do with my brother that has autism. That was really hard for me as growing up, seeing that, you know, like seeing that, like my own father didn't want his own son. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was hard. Yeah. So how did, how did that all work out there with, I mean, was there animosity there? Did he ever take him with visitation the way that he took you and your other brother there came to there came a point where he eventually would do like every other weekend for like a night with him you know mm-hmm. and then eventually just kept going from every other weekend to months to six months to i think it's barely like ever he, he sees him and i actually don't talk to my real father and my other brother my oldest brother doesn't either so my brother that has autism kind of is like, you know, he doesn't, it's funny because people who have autism don't worry about like anything, right? But like people that don't have autism, you know, our brains work completely different than them. We can, when we have, we can hold more of a grudge towards people, I feel. And, you know, my brother with autism, uh, the way his brain works, he doesn't care, you know, and and my mom and my dad, they talk emails only, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, it's for visitate just so my dad can see my brother, but he doesn't see uh, me or my other brother though. Yeah. And so as a child growing up, that, that must've been a little difficult for you to navigate as to he's an adult and why are we acting this way? Yeah. You know, I never really understood it because I was only 10 months old whenever my parents split so I don't really remember I don't remember my dad being there when I was really little but when I I think I was one and a half years old my mom actually met my stepdad which I'll go on more about him later on but he was like my dad my dad figure but I had a real father that I would see every now and then but then when I go home to see my mom my uh figure dad would be there. So it was hard, like stepdad and dad, you know, but then it's more so of a dad, you know, it's not, you're not, 
like some people have a stepdad and a dad and they're really close to their dad and they're really close to their stepdad. But sometimes a stepdad can turn into a dad. Sure. That's, you know. It kind of goes along that term that anybody can be a father, but only certain people can be a dad. Exactly. And to walk into a relationship, which with my stepdad, uh, when he met my mom, he walked into it knowing that there were two boys or there were three boys and one boy with autism. I guess he just was like, all right, you know, he must, he really loved my mom. Like he would do anything, anything for my mom. And, uh, that just really showed that's, that's big. I mean, that's three kids and mom with autism. I mean, that's, it's just a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So in, in going through, you know, junior high, high school, were there any type of issues that you had with school or, or family members, any type of controversy or anything like that that you dealt with? You know, in school, it's, it's actually a good question. Um, in school, I actually struggled with learning and my mom really was supportive of it and helped me. But there was a lot of confusion with having a stepdad and a dad because my dad would tell me like, Hey, I'm your dad. He's your stepdad. You know, like all the time, that's all I'd hear from them because he knew there was a jealousy there. He knew that I was growing more onto him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure there, yeah, there was that jealousy there, but it was of his own doing. I mean, it's not like anybody made him do what he was doing. Exactly. And uh, like I said, my mom, she's such a sweet woman. And uh, she uh, he cheated on her. She was working three jobs. And her, my nanny, which she uh, passed away at 59 of lung cancer from smoking. Mm. She was a one woman. And my mom actually dropped us off there during the day. Well, she worked her three jobs during the week. And uh, my dad just was working, just working, you know what I mean? Just uh, living his own life, you know, living just life without responsibility, you know. Yeah. And so when the stepdad kind of stepped in, was she able then to not have to work three jobs? Yeah, she actually, whenever he moved in and uh, they met, he actually was a contractor. And then he went to work at a prison and he was like one of like the higher ups management. He completely, I mean, I think she went from three jobs to two jobs to one job in like two weeks of them being together. Wow. And so then, you know, growing up with a, with an older brother who's autistic, being similarly in the same school together, did you go to the same school together? How much older is he from you? He's only two years older than me. Okay. So there probably was somewhat of responsibilities placed on you, even inside the school with your brother. What, what are some of those things that you recall? You know... I was I was two years younger than him. So my older brother, who is actually, he would be eight years older than me. We each, or no, six years older than me. We're all two years apart. He actually had more of a role, I think, in protecting him. I'm um, just being the older brother, you know what I mean? And uh, me, I kind of just was always like, always there to stick up. But like my older brother, like stepped in front of me and was like, I got this, you know what I mean? Kind of attitude. But we always protected him and the school we went to, actually, we all went to the same school until I think we got to like high school. And then he had to go to like a different classroom they had away from all of kids that didn't have a disability. And uh, he did really well. You know, He graduated, got his diploma. But yeah, we always were really protective of him growing up, for sure. Now, your your brother with autism, is he, does he work now? Is he high functioning? What is he doing nowadays? Nowadays, he actually works at a coffee shop, um, I think three or four days a week. And then like one other day a week, he goes to like this, they call it skills, where they like do activities with him, take him on field trips. Uh, they do a lot of cool stuff. And now on the weekends, he's just home with my mom. And then, like I said, my dad rarely ever gets them to see him, you know, wow. on the weekends, like once every like four months, probably. Wow. So presumably you went on to graduate high school. And what what happened after high school? Wow. Okay. So after high school, I decided I wanted to play soccer. I was like, I want to play soccer. I want to go to college. I don't know what I want to do, but I just want to play soccer. My high school year, our soccer team went to 
States and we almost went to the finals. Well, after the game, we lost uh, the game before the finals. We lost it. And I had all these recruiting schools like, hey, I think it was like Penn State was one of them. And there's another school that's pretty popular, local school here that were like, hey, we want you to play soccer. And I was like, uh, and at the time, the girlfriend that I was with, which through life, I've, you know, I've had a lot of girlfriends, you know, she was like, if you go to college, like if you go to that college or this college, like I'm going to split up with you. You got to go to this one. And I just listened to her and, you know, I look back and everything happens for a reason, but, uh, that was a big regret that I feel like I, I wanted to do that. You know, it's something that someone held me back from. So where did you go from there? So from where, where from, would you From mean? college, not playing soccer. What happened then? Okay. I ended up going to a community college that was local to me, which is where she wanted me to go. I still got to play soccer and I went for criminal justice. And I went for, I want to say it was a year and a half. I was almost done. And I dropped out, decided to try to join the military. At first, this is my first shot at the military. I tried to join the army and I ended up failing my ASVAB, which I was so nervous to take it, but I was ready for it. So I went back and I went to try to join the Marines and I ended up not taking my ASVAB because in my gut, deep down, I wanted to go to the army. Because my stepdad, who was more of a dad in my life, he went, He was an army ranger. So I was like, that's what I want to be. I'm going to fight. I'm going to work for it. So I dropped out of college, went into the army. The relationship I had at the time was done. So I was like, no one was holding me back. And I passed my ASVAB and then joined the military. So can you explain what the ASVAB is for people who may not have any type of military knowledge at all okay so the ASVAB is a test that in all branches that you have to take you have to take this test to see where you stand so like you can take the ASVAB test and you can barely pass it which I think is like a 32 and it can be different in like different branches Air Force Marines uh, say like I scored I scored like 80 something so it was like really high and uh, you get to pick the higher the score you get, the better the job you get. So obviously, if you score a 32, you're going in as the infantry, which is the lowest paying job, and it's like the grunt work. So I actually scored like in the 80s, and I ended up picking infantry. So going in, <laughs> so you scored high but picked low. I picked low, and you know, the main reason I picked low is because my stepdad was in the Army, and he was in the infantry. So I was kind of like, I want to be him. I want to be this guy. You know, I wanted, I wanted to be this guy that, you know, I had in my life. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, before I joined the service in 2011, my stepdad passed away. But that really pushed my gears to join the Army and join the infantry. And I don't know. It just was like I was raised by him. I wanted to be him. So I was like, okay, you know, I want to be a good dad one day, just like he was, you know? Sure. And so he passed away in 2011? Yeah, he passed away in 2011 on July 31st. And it was really weird how just things kind of spilled out from that. Um, we were on vacation. So we went on vacation and we just got back from, I think it was, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Ocean city mm -hmm. i've been there so we went there and it was you know beautiful you know beautiful 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 the water is always cold but it's beautiful and uh we got back home and i think it was two days we were back home and my stepdad it was like 90 like 94 degrees outside and i was like okay like it's, it's hot outside and he came up to me and i was like hey let's go on a bike ride and i was like well, you know we he bought me a bicycle to Cannondale, which is a really big bicycle brand. I think he spent like $1,300 on this bike for me. And of course, it was a hot day. And, I, and you know, I was a 16-year-old kid. And I was like, you know, it's too hot out. I don't I don't want to go. I just want to sit here and listen to music, watch TV, you know, do my own thing. And he's like, all right, that's fine, you know. And uh, he's like, I'll be back later on for dinner, you know, to help make dinner. 
so he walked around the house like the way he walked around the house our house was like a square and he went back to his bedroom got ready he walked around the other way to the house and i didn't see him so the last time i got to see him was when he went back the hallway and he told me like hey you want to go and that that hurt you know it just it's funny how when things happen in your life um your brain how your brain works you know, how you remember certain things on certain days that like something tragic happens. He went around the house and that was the last time I saw him and he went downstairs and he's tying his shoes and my mom was down there on the elliptical and she was working out and uh, he was like, man, that, that boy, he, you know, I bought him this nice bike and he won't, well, you know, he won't go with me. And, and my mom's like, ah, he's just, he's a boy he's 16 years old what do you expect and uh he left he said you know i'll be home told my mom this you know i'll be home and uh to help make dinner my mom said love you and he said love you and i got i mean that was the goodbye that was the last goodbye and then he left and unfortunately um while driving or while riding riding his bicycle and when i say this it's not a motorcycle it's a actual bicycle he was going back a back road that we lived on and it probably went out. I want to say like six or seven miles. It was a, it's like a Milligan's Cove. It's called. It's a back road. He was going off this back road and he always told us the main highway. Don't ever go on it. I'm never going to go on it. Never. I'm never going to go on this road, especially with you, with you boys. Like never. That day he cut out, he went seven miles out and he cut out on the highway. And as soon as he cut out onto that highway, I want to say it was like 15 yards from cutting on that highway. He got hit by a car. He got thrown into the median, which he was wearing a helmet, but the car that, that hit him was going 90 miles per hour. When they hit him, it threw him into like this median, like a culvert, or I don't know how you'd say it, but, and he died instantly. But the people who were driving the car were actually on drugs. That was, that's a whole different, I mean, that's, I mean, of course, uh, through time, and I and I hate to say this, but I don't wish death on no one. But when I was 16 years old, I did, you know, I did wish death on them too. I mean, I my brain was processing it, and I was like, you know, they were on drugs and this and that. Well, they ended up both both of the kids, which the drivers at fault. I mean, the passenger he's with, but drivers at fault for sure. But they both actually ended up overdosing. One one actually like two years ago, and the other one like four years ago or five years ago they both ended up overdosing but they ended up weaseling their way out of jail you know they never apologized to our family which something that really hurts is even their family knew what happened and no one in their families reached out and said sorry for your loss i mean that was me when i was 16 years old that that's one of the the worst days of my my life one of the worst days of my life sure and so now you, with this loss of, of your stepfather, who's like a father to you, you kind of take on that, hey, I want to be the man that, that he was. So you graduate high school, you go into the army. What was, you said you went into the infantry. What, what were you, what did you do while you served in the army? I was in the army national guard. So that's national guard army, which a lot of people listening um, it's pretty much, you know, it's the same exact thing. It's just we're home with our family more and we do drill weekends. And then we actually in the summertime go out and do like an actual training, which is, I think it's usually, it was like two, three weeks, two months. This, I mean, it all depends. It all depends on the unit that you're in. But uh, the infantry unit I was in was a striker brigade. So that, that was really cool. I got to drive those around, which was awesome. But uh, the Army, I was it was really fun. And uh, I learned it matured me. I had a lot of issues going on, obviously, just like mentally. So like going into the Army, you know, National Guard, you know, when I went to boot camp. I went to Fort Benning, Georgia, which is right on the line of Alabama and Georgia. Columbus, Georgia, that's what it is. And I went there. And I made so many friends and, uh, you know, it was a really good experience for me. And, uh, so, but you're, you had a brother that was also in the military. Is that correct? 
Yes, my brother was in the military, but he actually dropped. He wasn't in long. He got honorably discharged, but he wasn't in for a long time. Okay. So, so you're in the military and you're living vicariously, I guess we could say, through, through your stepfather. And then what happens next? What's, what's the next part of your story? So the next part, you know, I, I was in and out of relationships with a lot of girls. I, was, I had a lot of girlfriends and, you know, I learned something from each one. And, you know, like the one girl I was with had a drug addiction. So like I learned that and then like each person is different in their own way. Everyone, it doesn't matter who you meet. Everyone's different. You know, eventually I uh, got into a relationship with my, a girl that I actually ended up marrying and having a uh, kid with. And, you know, I really thought to myself, I was like, you know what? This relationship is it. This is the one, you know, hands down, like she's, she's everything. So I, I finally felt like I wasn't just going to be with a girl for like three months or six months. You know what I mean? Like it, it was like, this is for real. While being in the military, I found out that we might, there was a chance that we could deploy and it was Kuwait. We were going to go to Kuwait and we were going to ride the border patrol back and forth. You know, my, at the time fiance, which we ended up getting married, you know, she was like, what if you die overseas? Like what? you know, can happen. Cause at the time it was, there was a war zone going on in just that area. There was a lot of, there were a couple soldiers dying, you know, every like week there. And we were like, what are we going to do if like I, I die over there? So I wanted to have a piece of me here. So we both were like, let's have a kid. And we both decided on it. And, you know, she um, got pregnant and uh, it was a very successful pregnancy, beautiful little girl. It was all going perfect, and then there was a twist, and, and there was a twist in the relationship where just, you know, both sides didn't agree on a lot of things. She liked to drink, and uh, her friends were just different than my friends, and uh, we just slowly slid apart. It wasn't even like we, you know, we loved each other, but then it came to the point where we didn't love each other. We were just living in the same house, and I was like, this isn't how a marriage should be. I ended up filing for a divorce right before the divorce happened. Something else really big happened in my life, which I will get into. <laughs> so did you ever get deployed to Kuwait? I did not. Whenever the deployment was on the table, um, my unit had a physical test and uh, my unit actually failed like the overall physical test. Like they, my unit wasn't in shape. Uh, we didn't have enough people. And I was the only one that was in like physical shape. Cause I like, there's a bunch of older national guard guys that are in my unit and they, they're just there for the 25 years. They just want to be in 25 years and then retirement. Cause in the national guard, you got to do 25 years, not 20, 20 is active. But you know, once we found that out, it was like, well, we have a kid coming. Like you, you can't reverse it. And in my world, at least, I mean, I, I feel like it was a decision made and we both wanted to have a kid, you know, in, in that moment in time. Yeah. So the, the deployment fell through. It, it didn't go as planned. And then we had a kid. And, you know, right before I, we had the kid, you know, our relationship was toxic and stuff. But I took care of her. You know, she at the most part, she took care of me. But we just didn't. We would fight. We'd argue. Uh, and then when the baby came, that was when a lot of things happened while she was pregnant that um, I, or the relationship, if any of the things that, that I'm going to get into would, would have happened, we would have ended up splitting anyways. Let's get into those things. And I, and, and I just want to say for our listeners that this is a, uh, it's a very hard story to tell uh, and, and very raw and emotional. And, and uh, so uh, just, just hang with us here as, as we get, get through this next part. Okay. So, it was, you know, Christmas time, and uh, I'm going to start at the beginning. So this is uh, January uh, 2017, and of course, you know, I'm talking to my stepbrother, which big part of the story that I did not let you guys know is I actually had two stepbrothers. Um, my dad remarried, and 
when I was one years old, I met my stepbrother, which we always call each other brothers. Because, I mean, if you meet it when you're one years old, you're, you're, you're brothers. I mean, sure. there's, yeah. And we, I mean, we were best friends, best friends for life. Um, we talked all the time. Like, it was almost like I was closer to him than my own brother. There's a weird, there's a weird connection there that like brothers and stepbrothers are two different things. Like, I mean, the other family and stuff, but like, there's a different bond there. It's almost like you can tell your stepbrother more secrets than you can tell your brother, you know? And, uh, it was Christmas time and he was like, Hey, you know, I met this girl and I'm really happy. And I was like, good for you. And you know, she lived in North Carolina and I was like, you're crazy because <laughs> we live in Pennsylvania and I'm like long distance, you know? it can be hard. And he's like, Oh, she's moving up here. Mm. And I was like, you know, he was just that wild. He was just wild, wild kid. He would throw you for a spin is, you know, the way, the best way I like to explain him. Now for, for context, for context here, you would have been 21, 22 years old. Yes. I would have been, I want to get this exactly right. I would have been 22 years old. Okay. Yeah. I've been and 22. he's how old? He actually was a year and a half older than me. So, I mean, we we were so close in age that we picked on each other all the time. He picked on me all the time. Like, I'm, I'm a year older than you. You're, you're young. I was always the young one in the mm-hmm. family. And my other stepbrother was like six years older than me. So he was as old as, like closer to my oldest brother. And me and him didn't really talk that much. But me and my brother brother i call him brother even now you know we just clicked there was just a bond like no other there so this girl is going to move from north carolina up to pennsylvania which having lived in north carolina for six seven years i tell you that there is nothing worth being committed to life that comes from north carolina (laughs) yeah i mean it's you know i actually got the chance to drive through um the state pretty recently and stop actually not drive through it stop mm-hmm. enjoy it and you know it, it's a really nice state and uh like i said she was gonna come the whole way up here from there and i was like wow she must really love you because mm-hmm. it is cold up here <laughs> you know they were really happy and i remember it was december it was like around christmas time and at the time you know me and my ex-wife we were just sticking it out for our little girl because she was pregnant and uh, we, we kind of wanted to get like baby, you know, baby pictures and you know what I mean? Cause she was starting to show we were more so like friends than we were uh, husband and wife at that time. Okay. So now does the girl move from North Carolina to Pennsylvania? Yes. She moved up and uh, it was actually December 28th. She moved up December 28th, and uh, I was helping them move her stuff in. Her stuff really never got put away, but we we got it up there to the part to, to the apartment. And previously, I was living with, uh, there were three of us, three guys, <laughs> which is crazy. And this is how close we were. It was Mike, me, and Aaron. And uh, we all lived in one apartment together, three bedrooms, one bathroom, it was interesting. It was an interesting time. And <laughs> I remember on the 20th, she moved in. And then like the first week of January, I remember like she was finally moved in. They were getting along. Me and Mike were like, Hey, like I wasn't living there because I was living with my wife. You know, Mike had a girlfriend and Aaron had girlfriends, many girlfriends. He had so many girlfriends. I, it, it makes me look like, nothing i mean he had so many girlfriends but he was a good looking guy and you know he finally found a girl that he wanted to settle down with and i was like maybe this is it for him you know maybe he found the right girl and you know mike was like and it moves a little quick she moved states for him so like what's the catch like we never really knew that but we we later on found out that uh she was still dating a guy that lived down there and she was like sending him money and it got to be really weird i guess like he was threatening her life and really crazy really crazy stuff well we ended up calling the cops and they put a end to it like i said that was like the first week of january of 2018 now we're on to the new year 
from there, you know, she moved in and uh, Aaron was really happy because he had a girl living with him and Mike, you know, had a girlfriend. So he got really, I think, lonely at times because he just wanted to have someone there, but not just for like two weeks. Like he wanted someone permanently. And, you know, he finally seemed like he got permanently set. as <laughs> like I like to call it. All right. So moving forward from there, what happens next? You know, I think about all the the crazy moments, I mean, that me and my stepbrother had together. And that last couple of weeks before the accident, uh, we had so much fun. And the year before even, I mean, like that August in 2017, uh, August, September, October, like we went to concerts, we did this, we did that. And then that last like two weeks before the accident, you know, we were hanging out. We were, you know, going up to the bar, just having a couple of drinks, just, you know, I mean, we were always hitting it off and we were always just like best friends, but, you know, working myself up to talking about the day is like the hardest part for me because it's like, man, think about like a traumatic event that happens in your life and you're like, why did that have to happen? You know, like, why, why couldn't, why couldn't it have been this way? Why couldn't it have been that way? One of those things that's hard to work yourself up to it, you know? Well, uh, when when you can't work yourself into it, you just jump into the middle of it. So you witnessed the incident that took place. Yeah. That resulted in your stepbrother losing his life. Correct. It's crazy. You know, it's crazy how it all happened. It happened so quick. And for everyone listening, like, I like you know, as I go into this, this does get really emotional. And it gets very, you know, there's some gore in this. It's not, you know, it's not something that I wish on anyone. It's not something that I wish my worst enemy, no one, you know, it hits you right in the heart for sure. I, and I've told, I've told a couple people the full story, but actually been, I want to be honest, it's been two and a half years since I've told this whole story. So, so I was at my house where I was living at the time, which was like probably 20 minutes from the apartment. And, uh, you know, messaging Aaron, he just got off work, you know, and he's like, Hey, why don't you come over? Like, what are you guys doing? And I was like, Oh, nothing. My, my ex-wife at the time, she didn't want to ever go out to go out to eat or nothing. So I was like, you know, we just didn't get along. And I was like, I'm just going to see Aaron message Mike. And I said, Hey Mike, which was the other, his other roommate, our other roommate. And I was like, you know, you want me to come over, we can play some music, you know, for a little bit before Aaron decides on where we're going to go to eat. And uh, he's like, yeah, sure. Like, come on over. So I got a shower quick. On my way there, I pull in and I'm downstairs with Mike. And Mike's like, you know, I remember every detail. I remember what shirt he was wearing. He was wearing a Hollister shirt. Like, I remember everything. When something like this happens in your life, you remember every detail almost to the T. If I could think about that whole day and if I was good at drawing, I could probably draw every scene that happened. And that's how it's in my head, too. Unfortunately, um, I went downstairs talking to Mike, and we were just chatting. I remember this. I remember leaning over and going to the amp and turning up the mic. And I heard, pow. And me and Mike looked at each other and we were like, Aaron. And we were thinking, because at the time, Shelby, uh, his girlfriend, was upstairs sitting with him. Was it like with him? He wasn't alone. So we heard a gunshot go off. Like instantly, what came to both of our heads was, tell me he forgot there was a bullet in the gun. You know, he accidentally probably shot it at the wall or something. You know, that's what we thought. So we go up and... But it was like two or three seconds after the shot, there was a scream. And it was like the worst scream. I mean, I heard it through the walls, but you could hear it like you just feel it like in your heart. Like you could just, you knew it wasn't good. But we're running up the steps because we went out. He lived at the bottom apartment and then Aaron lived at the top because uh, the old lady that lived down below uh, ended up moving out. So they both had their own space so they could start a life with, you know, loved one and uh i remember trying to beat mike to the door it was 
like the weirdest thing. Like we're trying to beat each other to the door. It's like, we're, let's just get in. But um, we get inside and we hear Shelby, his girlfriend, crying. And she said, he shot himself. I instantly, I mean, it's like while she told us that we were like running to like where he was. It wasn't like we paused and waited, talked to her, went. And at the moment in time that everything happened so fast that she called 911 and was explaining to them. And I remember hearing in the background the 911 operator, like everything she said to Shelby, everything Shelby said to her, the address, the everything. I remember going across because we went through, went through the one room. We had to go through the one room to get to where he was. So we went to the one room and we both cut right. And we both were like, like it happened so quick. Cause like there was a couch there. And when we cut the corner, we couldn't see, we we're like, where, like, where is he at? Like, did it happen here? Like we, we didn't know. There was another room across from that one room. So we were like, maybe he's in that room, you know? So we go dive into that first room that we thought maybe he wasn't, maybe he was in the other one. We weren't sure. And to our right, he's laying there, you know, laying there in a puddle of blood. And the crazy thing is, as I like went up to him, up to him, up to his body, it wasn't like lifeless. Like he still had like life there, you know, like he was still like, like an oh shit kind of, like when I looked at him in the face, like he was like an oh shit, like look on his face, like it was an accident. Like it wasn't on purpose, you know what I mean? And uh, I just remember getting down. I remember grabbing his head and grabbing his like shoulders and he's a big guy because he worked out and you know I didn't know what to do so I would just put my like elbow over like with my shirt so I was wearing like a hoodie over his head wound and I was like Mike get me something for his head so Mike got me a cloth and Mike's like let me give him CPR like maybe in a moment of shock you don't know should you do this should you do that but like first thing that comes to mind is like, oh CPR, like let's do it. No, it's not. It it's just what he did was he shot himself in the temple. So he you know, he shot himself and uh you can't I don't know, it, it's hard because there's there are people that actually shoot themselves and they live. And uh, I, I've I've heard pretty a lot of stories in there. If you guys aren't listening haven't heard of people that have either accidentally shot themselves or attempted suicide their stories are amazing you need to listen to strong people i remember holding the cloth on his head and the cloth slipped off and i was like it's like it was just soaked in blood i put my thumb like on the wound and as mike was doing cpr it was gushing blood and i was like wait a minute like this isn't it like this isn't it like this can't be the right way this can't be like what we're doing and I remember hearing in the background on the, like the operator was like, where did he shoot himself, ma'am? And she said, in, in the side of the head, the temple. And she was like, he's probably dead. Like, I hate it. Like, I'm not trying to be me. Like, I'm like, calm down, you know, but she, he's probably dead. And me and Mike are there. And Mike hears that. We both heard it. And he's just there trying and trying and trying and trying and trying, trying to save him. And, I was just there like holding them, kind of just like, just holding them. And then at the point, uh, I don't know, it was a weird moment because like he was, like his eyes were rolled in the back of his head and then they could come back and then they rolled in the back and they'd, they'd come back and roll back and come back. And you could, like I said, you could see in his face like, shit, I should like, oh, like it's too late. I'm, I'm sitting there covered in blood. I'm sitting there just like in a puddle of blood. And Mike, Mike is too. It's all over his face. It's on, it's on my face. It's, and we both stop. As we stop, we both look at Aaron's body, and it's just lifeless. He's, he's gone. And as that happens, as that moment happens, we both stop and we look at each other. We probably looked at each other for a minute, maybe, maybe five minutes. But it felt like forever. All that I remember then after that was paramedics came storming through, ripped us off instantly like we were like throwing back and the paramedic was like he doesn't have a pulse and then the other paramedics like oh no and you, you just hear like paramedics i give them i have so much respect for paramedics they have to witness things and see things the one paramedic's like this isn't like we can't save him he's gone like he's gone 
And me and Mike are like, no, I'm like what? He's no, like there's gotta be, you gotta take him to the hospital. Like we didn't, you know, more so me realized that he was dead and gone than Mike. Mike, you know, really had a hard time with that. Uh, wanting, you know, wanting to believe that. And there was this news guy in our town. I'll never forget this bastard. There was a news guy in our town and he'd always, as he'd listen to the scanner and he'd be there at wherever accident or whatever, he walked right up into the apartment, like going to walk into the room that Aaron is dead in. Mine, and he's like, Hey, I'd like to get the story on this and that. And Mike, Mike six five, like at the time, like two hundred and sixty pounds. He picked this guy up and just like walked him down the steps and like threw him and was like, "Get out of here!" Like I understand people have to make money and news, but that's not it. You don't do that. It's it's just one of those things. And I remember just sitting there. I don't forget a single moment of that. Like there's, I actually have P, I have PTSD from from this event. I've had four different times since the accidents happened that I've actually with alcohol, which this is why I can't drink alcohol. It triggers my PTSD. I've had flashbacks. And when I usually do it, I second smell the, like the blood actually. It's like the worst thing ever. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. But you and I had talked about this some time ago because I had, you know, where I lost my partner and, and blood is the smell of blood, the iron that you smell of blood is very triggering to me. And you and I both are avid deer hunters. And I remember asking the, you the question, you know, I can't, I cannot dress a deer because of the smell of blood. It just sends me, but, but you don't have that, that issue. You know, I don't have that issue. And the answer that I got for that is, everyone smells different everyone you know everyone smells things differently but for me deer blood and human blood are two different smells like that's just me but i mean i i grew up skinning you know i grew up hunting and of course blood was never an issue but then after that i was worried actually like though that hunting season came i was worried about what's gonna like what is it gonna be different is it gonna be the same you know that goes to your head but I don't know. I had a lot of people there just help support me, mm-hmm. you know, whenever, after, when I got my first year, because I was worried. I was honestly worried. And I had a lot of help. And, uh, you know, no, it didn't trigger me. It didn't. I, I was just thinking it was going to, but it didn't. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, for you, you can't. I mean, some people just can't. Yeah. So with Aaron here, it would be easy for someone to jump to the conclusion that he committed suicide. But what actually happened? A lot of people thought he committed suicide. And, you know, Aaron was a sad, happy person. He went through mood swings where I feel like he was bipolar and he never was treated for it. Kind of crappy that we live in a world where people instantly think overdose. You know, they don't think like, oh, what actually happened? Like what, what took place? So, um, what took place was while me and Mike were downstairs, um, Shelby was sitting on the couch watching TV and Aaron was on like the shoulder of the couch, just sitting there. And he just got home from work and he, he was there without his shirt on. And three months ago, three months ago from the day that he passed, you know, three months ago, he said, Hey, Shelby, you want to see a, a, a trick? Three months ago, he did this to Mike, and he, you know, was sitting there in the room with Mike and was joking and showed Mike in the chamber he had one bullet, which was actually empty, and he spun it, clicked it, and said Russian roulette, and he put it up to his head and he pulled the trigger and it went click, and Mike freaked out. Mike said, "Never do that again. Don't ever." joke about that don't ever blah blah blah. you know like i said he was a daredevil like he'd be the one to light the fireworks and there'd be one attached to him while he's running away from the fireworks like he was a daredevil and uh you know he was explaining Shelby the same thing like hey i you know blah, 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 this magic trick well the week before the accident happened he had a bunch of guns bunch of handguns a uh, bunch but it was a 22 revolver 
and he was shooting. He just bought it, and he was shooting it, and uh, he forgot a bullet in the chamber. He forgot that there was a bullet still in the chamber. Yeah, what happened is when he spun it, it was actually not a blank round like he thought. He forgot that he shot it, but it was actually a live round, and he spun it, and when he spun it, you know, the chances of a revolver clicking, right? You have one bullet in there. The chances of, I, I, I got to think off the top of my head, I don't know if it was six to one. Uh, he put it up to his head and uh, she wasn't looking whenever it happened. But, uh, you know, he was like, yeah, I, I did this to Mike and uh, he was mad at me and or something and then said something like he did this and he put it up to his head and he pulled the trigger. And that joke goes from being a joke to real life of him being gone. And that's why I always say gun safety is so important because even though you shoot a gun every weekend, I don't care if you, you know, and you have experience with this, you carry a gun on your side for your job. You don't mess with them. That's something you don't do. And he always was a daredevil, always wanted to, Make someone laugh, you know, which it's good to make someone laugh, but not doing it in that way. And uh, from there is just where it all started. That's that's where it all started. And that's how it happened. Yeah. You know, I was taught that every gun's a loaded gun, even if it's not. You just treat it that way. But so so you, of course, have the diagnosis of PTSD that, that we you mentioned earlier and I, you know, with, with my situation, uh, it, it took a while to, to get to the point of where there was some normality of life and, and this tremendous loss. I mean, you, you have lost your father figure 16, now at 22, lost your best friend, brother, you've had a failed marriage. And I mean, it just seems like it, it gets worse, but while it's hard, everything does somehow or another turn good. We may not be able to see that just yet. This was what, 2017, 18. So 2018. Yeah. yeah. January 26, 2018. So you're a uh, three, three years ago, four years ago that this happened. So it's still, still really fresh. So what do you do? What do you do to cope when you are having these symptoms? You know, so now that I explained to you what happened, you know, now I can explain to you the marriage, why the marriage fell apart. So January 26th, my brother, my stepbrother passed away. And then March, I think it was like March 14th or March 13th, my wife's Graham died. It was like our best friend. So she went through a lot. And that was a lot. I mean, it was a lot because like I wasn't there mentally. Like I was so... I was in a different place. I mean, I was like there, but I wasn't. It was, it was scary. It was really scary because it's like, I look back on pictures and it's like, you're looking at the picture and you're like, he's the, like the body's there, but your mind, it's like, you can just tell the part, like you can, have you ever like ran into that before? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, or look back on pictures of yourself before you know, I mean, or when it happened and then after it happened and, you know, as you work your way out of that slope of depression and PTSD and anxiety or whatever anyone goes through. But for me, it was PTSD. I was diagnosed with PTSD, severe depression, and it was anxiety or generalized anxiety. Like I said, around, I want to say, yeah, I'm trying to get the timeline correct here. So January, my brother, stepbrother passed. And then in March, her grand passed. And then April, our little girl was born. You know, right before my little girl was, my little girl was born, I almost let go. I almost let go. I uh, was thinking very suicidal. And I almost was like, you know, life isn't worth living. Life isn't worth living. And then my little girl was born. It was like, wait a minute, I got to be here. Like everything that I was brought up as, you know, I wanted to be a good dad. I was in the military. I did, I was doing all those things correctly. And then I was like, wow, my dad, you know, she was born and the greatest thing ever. And I was there every step of the way. 
and we co-parented really well. And eventually got to the point where she was arguing and fighting with me and I was fighting with her. And, you know, both, both parties were in the wrong. I'm not going to say it was one-sided like some people do. You, you ran into that too, probably a lot hearing people say it was them. It was them, this, this, that. No, no. Yeah. Well, there's three sides to every story, your side, her side, and what actually happened. There you go. Three sides. Mm -hmm. I've actually never heard of that one. Yeah. So April, she was born in uh, May, June, July, July, I filed for divorce. And, you know, at the time we were tight on money and she's like, well, I don't have the money to file and get a lawyer. And I think the cheapest divorce is like $400, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, file. Like, that's no big deal. I'll file. And I had a pretty good job at the time. We filed. And it took, like, she moved out and I moved into my own place. And that was really big for me because I was battling with PTSD, like very fresh PTSD. It's weird because PTSD actually, like, going through it, and I know you have experience with it, but, like, the first year, you're lost. And then... It's like you start to like accept it, it kind of as you move on, you, you kind of it's so hard. It's like the, you have triggers, you have this, you got to watch out. You can't do this. You, you, you got to go around this place. You got to you can't like I can't even drive through that town and pass that apartment because it just rips me in half and brings everything back. Yeah. And, and PTSD is such a diagnosis that it's different you know, for everybody. But, but I remember, you know, as you said, I remember looking at pictures and instead of seeing JP, my partner who was killed, instead of seeing him in that moment, I see him dead in that picture. Or I look at pictures before the incident of me and it's like, it's a different person, you know, like that is an alternate reality. And that's, that's not really what really took place. But there does come that point in time of where all of a sudden it's like a light switch goes off and there's this clarity of what is actually going on that we realize, you know, yeah, we're depressed and we're lost, but it's because of this and not just because we're depressed or, we're, you know, grieving and, and it's post-traumatic stress. And, and so many people deal with it in so many different ways, and so many people don't deal with it. You know, at, at the beginning of this podcast, I, I had a guest, Michael Brooks, who is the founder of the We Are the 22, and you know Michael. And you and I have raised money for, for We Are the 22. And, and he talks about, you know, suicide amongst our service members. And, you know, I think that one of the reasons that, that suicide is so high, not just within service members, but within male capacity is that we don't want to seem weak. We don't want to seem like the ones who, who need help. So as someone who suffers from PTSD and someone who uh, has, has been in the military, what are your words to men that may be in the position that you were in? So you need, you need to reach out and you need to talk to someone. You need to. It, 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 there's a lot of people that don't. And if someone's listening right now and they're like, I'm afraid to, I don't know if, if I get labeled as crazy or, you know what I mean? You, you, you reach out and you get help. And it's okay that when you get that help, if they give you medicine. I just want to say that I've been on nine different antidepressants and zero of them work for me. I'm telling you, I know so many people that are on antidepressants and they work wonders. They work so good for them. But for me, it just, it didn't work. And uh, I went taken, I took nine different ones through uh, like a two year period. Cause it, I mean, you try, you try an antidepressant and you see how it works. And if it doesn't work after so long, they say, Oh, give it some time, you know, let it get in your, and then you go on to the next one, you go on to the next one. So I just stopped taking, like, I just was like, I don't want this. But like I said, medicine is out there. And actually, when I met my wife, now wife, and uh, we've been married now for three months, and uh, it's been absolutely amazing. But when I met her, she told me, you know, she would look in, she, she, I told her my story, and that's the last time I've told the story of my stepbrother passing away and just the details and she wanted to know it. She wanted to just, she wanted to know 
So she would know for triggers and for this and for that. Such a wonderful woman. Well, uh, men, I appreciate you taking your time out today and telling us your story. And I know it's, it's not easy to do. My story is not an easy story to tell. Uh, and I, I appreciate you for, for being with us and sharing your story. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. And if I can help someone that is either going through something similar, you know, I, it means the world to me. And I love to say this, but mental health matters. And anyone that's listening and everyone that's listening, uh, you matter and you are loved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm Doc Brian. You can find me at thedocbrian.com. Uh, All of my social media links are there at the bottom of that website. Of course, Doc Talks is a part of the Be Frank Network. You can check out all of our podcasts at BeFrankNetwork.com. I hope that you've enjoyed the podcast today. Uh, once again, Ben, it's great to have you with us. And, and thanks again for sharing your story. Thank you. All right, everybody. Well, we'll see you later.